Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity, Bishop and Pastor. Um, I don't take this lightly. I'm excited to speak to you today. And I, too, am so excited that my beautiful, sweet angel mother is here. She has cheered me on every day of my life for the last 41 years, and um, she makes me believe I can do anything, even get up here and, and speak. So I am so glad that, that you are here. Let's pray. Oh, God, help me, please. God, I pray that my words, my voice will not be heard, but yes. your voice and your words would be all that we hear. Yes, all that we want, all we yes, need is you. Lord, yes, be Lord. near to us as we turn to your yes, word. Lord. So I think we can all agree that over this last several weeks, God has been doing something really special, really unique in this place. Amen. It's totally different than anything that I've experienced since I've been here um, these last eight years, but I am so here for it. Amen. Are you here for it? So Kendrick uh, Shocklex came a couple of weeks ago, and um, she told us that God would make our church a church that is known for love and prayer, but that it hinged on us breaking complacency. And I don't know about y'all, but the way I felt after that first message is I felt like Kendra just so ever, ever so gently body slammed me. Amen. And she kind of left us with the biggest cliffhanger. You know, how, okay, we, we want to be known for love and prayer, but how do we break complacency? And so I was supposed to speak last week, and God has really been dealing with me with, about what to speak. But I'm just going to tell you, I didn't have the cliffhanger. I didn't have the second part of it. I, I didn't have how do we break complacency. That is not what God gave to me. And so I felt like God was saying, are you willing to step aside? Are you willing to break the box that you have put Mother's Day in? Are you willing to allow me to bulldoze your plans so that I could speak? And I was like, yeah, yes, sir, please step right in because all we need, all we want is to hear the voice of God. And so Kendra came back last week and she told us that to break complacency, we had to make a choice. Either stay comfortable or serve God. And if we choose to serve God, then we need to understand that we are all preachers. And the message that we are to preach is simply the cross Amen. and the resurrection. Amen? You know, if we can keep at the forefront of our mind what God has done for us, then the message that we are supposed to preach, it comes easy. And the individuals that we are supposed to be preaching to, they're very easily recognized. Amen? So I think we can agree that God has brought us as individuals. God has brought us as a body of believers to a crossroad. And so it makes perfect sense, you know, when we step aside and we allow God to orchestrate our lives, our church services, everything just fits better. Because what God has been speaking to me about these last several months is what do we do at a crossroad? 
It also makes sense that he would choose the month of May to do all of that. Because May seems to be a month of natural crossroads. Elementary goes to junior high, junior high goes to high school, high school goes to college, college students start embarking on a career. There's so many things that happen for whatever reason in the month of May. And I know there are so many in this room that, that you are in, you are at a crossroad. You're at a crossroad in your career. Maybe you're in a crossroad in some relationships. If you don't know if you're in a crossroad, at a crossroad, but things seem to be blowing up all around you and all you can feel is chaos, that could very well mean that you're at a crossroad. Or if things seem peaceful, but you still have this undercurrent of what's next? There's more for me, God. What, what's going on? Then that probably means that you're at a crossroad. Some of you could be feeling that in this season of your life, that you should just be able to hit cruise control and just enjoy the rest of the ride. If you're not at a crossroad today, I want you to understand that I promise a crossroad is coming up really quick and you're gonna need to know what to do. And what I have to say, it's gonna seem so cliche, um, so cliche that some of you are going to tune me out and that's okay, I'm not mad at you. I think everybody's been listening up to this point. And so if you do tune me out and um, you find yourself at a crossroad and you don't remember what I said, just go back and listen to the podcast, right? Plug for the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. So I wanna talk to you today uh, from the book of Jeremiah. And I wanna take a minute and um, give you some information about Jeremiah and set this thing up. One thing about Jeremiah that our church ought to know is Jeremiah 33.3, because this is a promise from God and our bishop stands up every Sunday and he declares this promise over us, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So Jeremiah, he's a prophet of God. And Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. Jeremiah is also known as the weeping prophet. Not only um, did God tell Jeremiah things to tell his people, instructions, encouragements, warnings, but Jeremiah, Jeremiah also had to live through his own prophecies. And he had to see the people of God not listen to his prophecies. And so that would be definitely a reason to weep. And the message that God was giving um, to his people at this point was, you are completely addicted to idolatry. You are spending your time, you're spending your money, you're spending your talent on all the things except for me. Turn back to me. And if you don't turn back to me, then I am going to send Babylon to come, conquer your land, and take you back as captives. You know, when we start reading the Word of God, what sets this book apart from any other book in the world is that it starts to come alive. And the pieces start fitting together. 
Because when I was studying Jeremiah, all of a sudden I, I remember somebody else that I learned about that was a captive in Babylon during this time. It was Daniel. And Daniel would go to his window three times a day and he would open his curtains, he would face Jerusalem, and he would pray. And maybe, just maybe, he was also praying Jeremiah 33, 3. Because when you study Daniel, Daniel quotes Jeremiah. Daniel studies exactly what Jeremiah is saying while he is captive in Babylon. So maybe he also prayed, God, I call unto you. I know you're going to answer me. I know you're going to show me great and mighty things that, that I have never seen. And you know what happened to Daniel? He got thrown in a lion's den. <laughs> I mean, that is not great and mighty. Amen? But God came and God shut the mouths of the lions. Right? It's pretty great. It's pretty mighty. But then the next day when the king came and said, Daniel, did, are you alive? Did, did your God hear you? And he said, yes, God has heard me. I'm alive. He has come and he has shut the mouths of the lions. The king decreed that everybody at that point start worshiping and praying to the God of Daniel. That is the great and mighty thing. Amen? All throughout the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah instructs his people how to navigate their time in Babylon. And I love this, because even though the people of God didn't listen, God still continued to speak through Jeremiah, because his desire is ultimately for us to stop spending our time, money, and talent on, worth, on worthless things and return to him. And if Jeremiah was applicable in a lion's den, if it was applicable in Babylon, then I truly feel like Jeremiah is applicable in my situation in 2023. Amen? So what does Jeremiah have to say about crossroads? In Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. Jesus also talks about this ancient path in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So why the ancient path? Why go back to an ancient path, especially when things in 2023 look so different than they did when Jeremiah was giving instructions to the people of God. I think we can all agree that no one is talking about the Bible being a cutting edge book, right? You know, I'm not cool enough to have TikTok, but um, I haven't seen Instagram reels on how the Bible is full of life hacks. Have y'all? Amen. And it seems like every month things continue to change. 
Every month we have to update our phone, we have to update our watch, we have to update our computers, we have to update all the, all the things. And I'm thankful that I don't have to get an updated version of the Bible every month. Amen? I think, I'm thankful that in a world that is unpredictable, we can rest assured that the Word of God hasn't changed and that we can have a predictable outcome to this life. So why the ancient path? Number one, the ancient path has been tested. When we say the ancient path, another way of saying that is the way of wisdom. Our text, Jeremiah 6.16, says to ask for the ancient path. Ask for the good way. So why the ancient path? It tells me that, number two, this path isn't meant to be traveled alone. It means that there's going to be somebody there that I can ask and they're going to help me navigate this ancient path, this narrow way. Jeremiah 6.16, it says, you will find rest for your souls. Our society, our culture, it can be summarized in two words, weary and worried. So why the ancient path? Because number three, the ancient path is the path to peace. And so how do we identify when we're at a crossroad, this ancient path, the good way, the narrow road, and the wide gate, and, and the broad path? Students, how would this apply to your life? What do you think that this would look like in the halls of your high school or on your college campuses? Sex, drugs, drinking, pornography, depression, anxiety, abortion. It has all been completely normalized. Not only has it been normalized, our society says that it is accepted and expected behavior from you. Amen? Every time you come face to face with these things, Understand you're at a crossroad. Remember to look for the ancient path, the good way, the narrow way. If you're uncertain which way is the good way, it's going to be the road with the least amount of traffic. If you're a student here today, whether you were forced to come or not, I am so glad that you are here. The very fact that you are in this building today, it's going against the current. I want you to know that I want you here. I want to do life with you. I want you to hear me cheering for you at every crossroad in your life. The enemy is going to tell you that this ancient path that you're going to go and you're going to be all alone. And I want you to know it's a lie. And you have a whole house of people that are here to travel with you. Now, I, re- I remember, I know, it's hard to believe, but I remember what it was like to be your age. I remember having such a deep desire to be close to God. But the ancient path it didn't sound attractive at all. Is this okay? Can I just, can I be honest with you? It didn't sound like a whole lot of fun. 
Sometimes this wide gate, it's going to have flashing lights. And it's going to be bold and it's going to be in your face. But sometimes the wide path is going to have such a gradual bend in the road that you're not going to realize that you're on the wrong path until you have gone miles and miles in the wrong direction. The wide gate says it's accepted, expected and normal. But this normal expected stuff comes at a price. The after effects of this normal behavior are felt far longer than the thrill of the moment. I promise you. The ancient path, the good way, is going to go against the current. Students, adults, listen. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to have the Bible memorized to know what to do at a crossroad. Just Google it. (laughs) What does the Bible say about youthful lust? What does the Bible say about abortion? Bam! Hey, life hack! Maybe I am cool enough to have TikTok. That would be really great. (laughs) So maybe, maybe you were raised in church. And the flashing lights of sex and drugs and alcohol, etc., they, they've been easy for you to pass up. The crossroad is going to look different for you. The wide gate for you will look like an attitude of moral and spiritual superiority. It looks like self-righteousness and judgmentalism. And this is why it's so important that we never forget the message God has given us to preach is simply the cross and the resurrection. You will know you entered through the wide gate when your view is religion. The view of the narrow path is fruit. Lots and lots of fruit. Not oranges and strawberries, but gentleness and long-suffering, kindness, peace, joy, and love. Google it. What does the Bible say about loving others? What does the Bible say about being a good neighbor? A crossroad for me, and I know a a crossroad in all of our lives, eventually will be, we will all be hurt by other people. People will disappoint us, abandon us, whether it's family members, church members, on our jobs, in our schools, at some point every one of us will stand at a crossroad wondering, what do I do with all the hurt? This gate, it's wrapped with barbed wire and glass. And when you cross onto this path, you will also begin to wrap your heart and your mind with barbed wire and glass, not allowing anybody to get too close. It's when we become jaded and cynical, or even worse, apathetic and numb. At this crossroad, to choose the good way is choosing the difficult road. It requires vulnerability, and vulnerability after you've been hurt, it's really difficult. This path, it starts straight uphill because it's going to take every bit of your energy and your effort to process through the hurt and the emotions. Yes. 
but eventually that difficulty, it will level out into healing and maybe even teach us how to draw healthy boundaries. Google it. <laughs> what does the Bible tell me to do when I've been hurt by others? Finding the ancient path doesn't have to be difficult. And this is what I love so much about Celebrate Recovery. Because when you're at a crossroad and you want to know how to navigate the ancient path, Celebrate Recovery will lay it out for you, step by step. 12 easy steps, right? <laughs> Jeremiah 6.16 doesn't say you have to have all the answers. It says to ask. Ask God. Ask Google. Ask me. Ask pastor. Ask somebody that you see at church that looks like they have it all together. Because I can guarantee you they have also asked the same questions that you're asking. And actually, none of us have it all together. None of us, especially me. I'm so thankful that our church is a multi-generational church. We have so many families where grandchildren are worshiping with grandparents and even great-grandparents. We have people in our church that are fourth and fifth generation in this faith, in this faith we also have people in our church who are the very first Christians on their family tree. Praise God. It's God's will for his church to be multi-generational. We are family. We love each other. We all get on each other's nerves. But we're family. We're in this thing together. We know that our God is a God of multiple generations, and we can see this all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the first generation. He was the one to blaze the good way, the ancient way for the generations coming after him. Abraham built signposts for his descendants who would be looking for the ancient path long after he was gone. These signposts were called altars. Altars represented the occasion and place where Abraham had an intimate encounter with God and received direction for his life. These places are where God, where, is where we see God revealing himself to Abraham. His son Isaac and his grandson Jacob would imitate this practice of building altars in their lives as well to continue to mark the ancient path. Many of these guideposts, signs, altars, they were in inconvenient places. God led Abraham to Canaan. This wasn't easy terrain. Abraham may have imagined that the place that God was leading him would be filled with beautiful valleys, calm streams, and picturesque mountains. I mean, isn't that what we all envision for our lives? Instead, Canaan was filled with difficult places and evil people. The Canaanites were a perverted, corrupt people. So Abraham builds an altar when he comes to this place. Abraham's building of the altar represents him saying, I'm accepting a promise, understanding that this is different than what I thought it was going to be, but it's also something I believe that God can bring to pass. I trust you, Lord, that you will make it work. Altars 
have a price because God intends that something be altered in us when we come to the crossroads in our lives. Altars have a price because God intends that something be altered in us when we come to the crossroads in our lives. These altars were costly and time-consuming. They may have even seemed like a waste of time and resources to those who don't understand the things of God. But to Abraham and his, his descendants, they were priceless as they memorialized God's revelation to them and revealed their identity as God's set-apart people. When successive generations saw these things, they were reminded of the ancient path that was emblazed by their father, Abraham. What it takes to build an altar are rocks, broken things. The geological application here is relevant because there are volcanic explosions in our lives, seismic events and just the grinding of life. And we can take the hard things and arrange them before the Lord. Or you can drag the rocks around and be burdened by them. Oh, God. Or when you're frustrated at lugging them around, eventually you'll get mad and start throwing them at somebody else. The way you build an altar is to bring those hard, broken things before the Lord and put them there. The price of altering is that you have to pour your life out over it, saying, Lord, I come and present myself to you. Choosing this ancient path isn't what I expected. It's difficult, but I trust that you are the God that keeps all of his promises. I trust that even though it seems like I'm standing alone, the plans you have for my life are good plans. And that when I'm confused, I can call on you you will answer me and you yes. will show me great and mighty yes. things. Yes, yes, yes. Jonathan, can you come back up? Jeremiah 31, 21, it instructs us, it instructs the people of God, set up road signs, put up guideposts, take note of the highway, the road that you take. When we come up on difficult decisions and we choose the path of wisdom and peace, when we choose God's narrow path, it is there that we can unload all the broken things in our lives. And we can build a road sign, an altar for everyone coming after us. By doing this, we are making it so very clear for others where the good way is, while also making a place of remembrance for ourselves. This is the sermon God gives us to preach. God wants people to ask for the ancient path, and we are the ones that are meant to answer. Our sermons are our remember when stories. I remember when I was at that crossroad. Let me tell you about it. It looks like you stepped off the ancient path and I remember when I stepped off the ancient path, it's okay. God always makes a way for us to come back. I'm so blessed 
to come from a long line of men and women who blazed the path for me. And I've never talked in depth about my family heritage to you, mainly because it's something so precious to me. It's something I keep really close to my heart. My father, James, my grandfather, James Kilgore, he traveled the ancient path so faithfully. Like Abraham, he knew that his journey would one day end, and so he marked the ancient path so well for his children and his grandchildren, and now his great-grandchildren. After he passed away, we found one of those guideposts in his Bible, Everyone in my family has a copy of this. And so today, I want to give each family one for you to take home. Because you are my family, and you need a copy of the family guidepost. This daily to-do list is beyond my ability most days. But that doesn't mean I stop trying. Reading this, seeing my grandfather's handwriting, it resets my mind and my perspective. It helps me keep my eyes open to the things that really matter in this life when it seems like life goes at warp speed. My grandfather chose the ancient path. He broke complacency. He preached his sermons and built his altars. And he believed I somehow could do it too. Jeremy, can you come back up? So are you at a crossroad today? Are you at a crossroad of encounter? Do you want to encounter God for the first time? Or do you desperately need to encounter God again? Do you need direction for your life? Seek wise counsel. But don't forget to hit your knees. Pray until you have encountered Him. And then get up and build an altar memorialize the place where God gave you divine direction so that you will never forget. Are you at a crossroad of forgiveness? Do you need forgiveness from God? Do you need to forgive someone else? Don't carry the heavy baggage of unforgiveness. Unload those things. Take time to set up a road sign because somebody is going to be traveling along and they're going to need help with forgiveness. And you're the one that God needs to so gently preach that sermon. Are you at a crossroad of commitment? Build an altar to remember the covenant you make with God today. Put up a guidepost for your family and friends marking the day you said whatever it takes, God. The day you decided to consecrate your will to align with His will. Are you at a crossroad of intercession? You know, when things start blowing up all around you, you're at a crossroad. And intercession will be the foundation of the altar. If you are someone here today that knows how to intercede, and I can see a lot of them, this is a good time to hold up your road sign so that you can lock arms with someone who needs help interceding. Because sometimes things are too big. They aren't meant to be interceded alone. I know these things sound so cliche. We hear these things. But hearing and doing is 
the difference in choosing complacency and serving God. We have to get this right, Christ Tabernacle. This crossroad that we're at, it's too important. Thank you. Can we give her a hand today?